So today we are continuing our Joshua series, moving into the promises of God. And we're, we've, this is our third week, so I'm just going to catch us up a little bit. Um, so week one, we kind of jumped in a bit through chapter one, and we looked at the idea that at some point in time, the Israelites needed to make a choice to leave the wilderness and actually set their eyes on the promised land. It was, it was a choice, and it was a choice that needed to be followed with action. Because again, a lot of us choose to do a variety of things. We choose to save more money. We choose to lose weight. We choose to get fit. We choose to um, study harder with our um, assignments and schoolwork. But if it's not followed by action, it's just a wishful thought. Oh, I wish I was, I wish I'd lost weight. I wish I could run 100 metres without sort of ambulance that needed to be called. Like, um, I, I wish I could walk up a flight of stairs without having to have three coffee breaks. Um, if you're having three coffee breaks on the way up the stairs, that could be the problem. I'm not saying anything, but, uh, but the thing is, um, we've, we've got to make that choice. We've got to take action and, and we've got to go where God calls us to go because there are times that we do go through, go through wilderness periods and sometimes we get so used to that that we are happy staying in that because it becomes normal for us. But God does want to call us out of those times and into uh, his plan for us. And last week, we jumped right back to um, Joshua, the start of Joshua, looking at verses 1 to 9. And, and basically how God said to Joshua, like, hey, the guy that's led the, the country for the last 40 years is now dead and you're in charge. And, and the thing is, if that's where he left it, I would have been worried. But then God actually goes on and he lays on Joshua a number of promises, a promise for power, a promise for presence, a, a, a promise of provision. And all these promises that, that God gave Joshua, they weren't brand new promises. God had made those promises before to Moses, to Abraham. And do you know what? They're not new promises to us either. Those promises hold true for us. And so God, the God who promises us to be able to walk through in his plan is the one that's going to be beyond that. Like if we sort of go, oh, I want to go a different way to God and get to the same location, it's not going to work. But if we're worried that where God is calling us is not going to happen, God's promises will see us through. And today we're going to sort of, I suppose, I suppose narrow the, the focus a little bit because we're going to be talking about us a little bit as we look at this passage because the today's title um, um, that God can use anyone and I, I see this issue over and over again I see it in young people I see it in, in in people that may not have may not be hugely involved in the church or or there's always a doubt of how can God use me I've seen people that go they've they've served God in the past and they go oh they're on a different stage of life now I go I don't know how God can use me he I'm, I'm done my dash I'm, I'm over and that's the thing, I, I do not see that anywhere in Scripture. I see God using young people. I see God using middle-aged people. I use, see God using single people. I see God using married people. And for those who feel like they've missed out, I see God using old people. Okay? Now, those who are laughing, like, at least your hearing aids are on. So that's good. So, but the thing is, there is no category that God doesn't cover that he says you can use it. And this chapter becomes one of, one of many examples in the Bible where God actually takes someone who you wouldn't think to pick to actually make a world of difference. And, and this is where we've got to go, well, hey, not, in a way we're kind of judging her past and going, well, that's not my past. My, my past is not even close to that. God, 
God can use me if he can use this character we're going to look at, at Rahab. And so we don't know much about Rahab before this happens. And I don't know if you've ever thought, why did, when the two spies got sent out to Jericho precisely, so back in the time of Joshua and Caleb and Moses, 12 spies got sent out. This time Joshua sent out two. Um, and because they were specifically going to look at Jericho, the first city they were going to conquer. And so God, Joshua sent out two spies and they came to um, Jericho, they spied it out and they went and hid in where Rahab the, the prostitute lived. Which, okay, let's not being impolite, but that place was probably a brothel then. That's probably what it was. It was her home, it was her place of business. Um, and the thing is, before we sort of look too much down on Rahab, the, the, the people of, um, of uh, Jericho were Amorites. And the thing is, this was probably a normal part of what they did. They, the reason that God was wiping the land clean of all the Canaanites, all the different tribes of Canaanites, is because they lived in an evil way. And so Rahab's job is probably was just as respected as, as other jobs in the community. And so, like... For her lifestyle, she went, oh, this is not, this is not a, maybe a big deal. Secondly, we see in the passage that she does it to probably care for her family. So again, she's doing something wrong for a good reason. But again, it is, it is a career that we look at and we go, oh, that's not something that we want on our resume ever. We, we don't want to be living in that way. And even people that are caught up in that, and I've seen people trying to defend that, but... I think deep down, all of them go, this is not what I want to be doing. Maybe I've just got caught up and I can't escape it. And so what we need to realise to begin with is that God chooses unlikely people. Unlikely people. He, he actually, he makes, he's in a big habit of it. So if you think that God can't use you, that you are an unlikely person, God actually sometimes prefers that. And so if you think, oh, I'm, I'm ruled out, I can't do it. And, and you insert excuse here. You, you know your excuse that you use. Insert that excuse and you go, I am unlikely. And then I'm going to tell you this, God chooses unlikely people. That means he wants to choose you. And the thing is, if you try and flip this around and go, well, I'm going to make myself more likely. Well, God will use you too, so you're not going to miss out. God chooses, though, unlikely people. We see in, in Joshua 2, 1, that then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove and instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. And so the two men set out and came to a house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there the night. The other thing I've often wondered with this is that here are Israelites being holy people, people of purity, and they go and hide in the home of a prostitute. Why would that have been done? Now... Again, not want to put any aspersions on two spies, but most likely it was because this was a place, again, very common practice for the Amorites. But the thing is, foreigners would come there as well. And so it's an easy place to disappear and hide because you don't stand out. You don't sort of disappear. So they probably just stay in the house. But the thing is, they must have been different enough because we see later on uh, in the passage that that. Rahab goes, you guys are Israelites and we, I've heard of the God that you serve. So again, I'm not, there's no real question on their character in this, but it was to be an effective hiding place for them while they spied out the, the city. And so, yeah, God chooses unlikely people. Um, Rahab did not have any 
background into how can I effectively help out foreign armies take over news at my city. She didn't have, hadn't studied that, her career choice, her, her current even place in, in, in being a foreigner would make her an unlo- unlikely ally. And this is what we need to realise, that God can use you in spite of your past. I, I think that we get caught here a lot. Um, sometimes we think our past, we've done our dash. I think Bob, um, Bob Dylan um, was famous. He sort of quoted that he, he sort of followed God for three years and did what Jesus did, and then he kind of stopped. I've done my, I've done my bit. Sometimes we're like that. We, we feel like, oh, yeah, I've, I served in Sunday school back in um, the 1800s, and I've done, my, I've done my bit, and God doesn't have a purpose for my life anymore. God doesn't. The thing is, God has a purpose for your life, even when you're on the other side of this life. So God has always got a purpose in there for you, whether we want to find it or not. But God can use us in spite of our past. And so our past sort of makes up everything. It might have been, okay, for the last five years, I've been doing this with my life, or I've been living in this place, and I'm no longer sort of connected here, and, and we come up with all kinds of excuses. Or it's like, I look back, and I've been hurt so much by X, Y, Z, and I, I can't... I can't serve God anymore. Or maybe we've tried something before and it didn't work. I met a guy years ago. Um, he was sharing in a church planning uh, class and he basically um, had really felt called to plant a church. And his, his first church he started and it really didn't even get off the ground and it failed after a year. And then God, he felt called again and he went and planted another church and, and it, it failed relatively quickly as well. Now, often what we do, if we're sitting back and like, overseeing someone like that we go maybe they're just not gifted that way maybe they maybe God is not really calling them maybe there's a desire in their heart above and beyond and the thing is this guy could have started believing the same thing he said well I've, I've actually failed it seems like I've failed in two church plants and he started a third one and it took off it thrived in fact so much it, it became so big he had to employ other people and 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 so all of a sudden your past does not define your presence when it comes to God's calling upon us. Maybe it's your past history where you are ashamed of who you were or what you have done. Now that, that does come into it at times. People just go, I'm not good enough to help out God. Well, Rahab falls exactly into that category. She was a prostitute. In fact, Rahab is mentioned in the New Testament as well, in both um, the book of Hebrews and I think First Peter I'm not 100%, I'll get back to on that one. But the thing is, both those, they, this is her title, Rahab the prostitute or Rahab the, the harlot. Now again, if I was written in the Bible, that wasn't, wouldn't be the title I'm looking at. But at the same time, in both those passages, she is remembered for her faith. So even though we sort of, we, we attach that title to her, that was her past, it was not her future. And we need to remember that God, God can use you in spite of your past. And this is, this is where I suppose it comes into a, a big thing, that God can use you to serve, uh, or can use us to serve others. No matter of your past, no matter how, that doesn't matter if you're an unlikely person or you've done things in the past, God has a, this great reset button called forgiveness and grace. He says, I can wipe the past clean and we can look forward. You, you, you've been looking to yourself to sort of fulfill your life, look to me and I'll fulfill your life. God has this great reset button that, that can sort of shape us. And all of a sudden, God can make use of us. Even Rahab is probably not even a Christian at the moment as we would define it. 
She's actually, we, we find out later on, she, she asks to be saved. She's asking for salvation. Um, and it's, it's not the, the Israelite spies who sort of bring that up. Let me go through the, um, uh, the Romans road or the four spiritual laws or, or some other sort of gospel tract that we've got. She actually requests to be saved and be on the side of their God. And so there's this reset that happens and then all of a sudden God has use of her. Um, this is what she says in verse 9. I know the Lord has given you this land. She told them, we are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. And she goes on to say, she actually says, I know that you crossed the Red Sea. Now that was 40 years ago. So it, it has been spoken about probably through at least a generation of people. Then she says, I know you conquered these tribes of people. I know you did this and we are, we are afraid. Then we jump down to verse 11. And it says, after sort of explaining all that, it says, No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens um, above and the earth below. Now, if you're sitting there listening to that, these, what was the two spies' job at that time? What were they doing? They were checking out the place. That would have been checking out the army. They would have been checking out the walls. And the walls would have been like there this thick and going how are we going to get through that and all of a sudden Rahab says we are worried that your God is going to wipe us from the land because your God is so powerful she's actually giving testimony to them to say hey you guys should be believing your God in full you should be trusting him you've got this because your God has got this and then we see at, at the end of um, chapter 2 in verses 23 and 24, then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. And this is what they said. The Lord has given us the whole land for all the people in the land are terrified of us. David didn't fought one battle yet. They have not even crossed the Jordan yet. We're going to look at that next week. They have not even entered the land and all of a sudden because of the testimony of Rahab the prostitute, they have been encouraged to continue in their journey with God. See how God can use us? Rahab was, you wouldn't think that she was in a position to help in such a way, but that's not the only way that she was able to help serve. Um, this is what she ends up saying in verse 12 where she begs for in reality, for salvation, says, Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me. And then she extends it. And my family, since I have helped you, give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live, along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. She doesn't sort of keep it small. And again, I'm, I'm imagining she's got a number of like brothers and sisters so it's at least two of each. It's more like, most likely more. Probably in that culture, you, many kids make many work, work hands to help out with the various jobs that we have. And then all their families. They were going to be packing the bus. They were going to be bringing a crowd. And so all of a sudden, Rahab, in her willingness to serve God and his kingdom... God is able to use her not only to be an encouragement to the spies and therefore all of Israel. She is able to be used to be able to save her entire family, her extended family. 
I do notice that there's no mention of in-laws in there, but I'm not sure if that's the case or not. But, um, but the thing is, she ends up saving all of her family because of her faith in a God that she does not know yet. Unlikely person to be used, but she's able to be used to serve others. But this actually happens in a, in a bigger way as well. Um, and we, we go on to verse... Um, um, because she not only encouraged the spies, she not only saved her families, she practically, in a practical way, saved the spies. Because we see in verses 15 and 16, then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. And then this is what she says. She actually gives them all the information. Escape to the hill country. So go the wrong way. They're looking for you that way. I've actually lied to them. They're going to look for you that way. You go this way. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then when they have returned, you can go on your way. So all of a sudden, she grabs a rope and lowers them out of, out of her window, say, go this way, you'll be safe, you can get the message back to your people, you can come in and conquer this town, and I'll be safe with you, and I can follow your God. So she, she, she can be used in, in a number of ways. And that's the same for us. Like God can use us to be an encourager. God can be, use us to be a support. God can use us in practical ways. God can use us in ways that will impact people's lives, and maybe even when we don't know it. God can use us to not only save our family, but maybe our friends, maybe our neighbours. God can use us in such a way because you know why? Because God uses unlikely people. God uses unlikely people. That means everyone in this room counts. Everyone in the room downstairs counts. Everyone who's sick at home at the moment counts. God can use them because God uses unlikely people and everyone above that. But the thing is, God's use of us, and this this becomes a real powerful thing. If we are willing to put our life into God's hands and let ourselves be used by him, even though we don't believe in ourselves at times, If we let God use us, we can help out in practical ways now. We can be an encourager now. We can sort of help save people come to faith now. But what we need to realise is that if we let God use us, if we make ourselves available to us, God can use us to impact eternity. God can use us in that way. It is that big. Now, who here would expect if... I want you to think of maybe the worst person that you know. Okay, some of you might go, oh no, I don't know any bad people. Like, okay, we'll just imagine it then and, and we'll talk about lying later on. Like, um, because all of us can imagine some person that we may not like or we look on TV and go, that's not a nice person or, or someone who's gone to jail or someone who's done horrible things. We think of them. Rahab was sort of in that position. She was, she had, was a person of disrepute, a person of poor character. And God says, you know what, I can use you now and I can use you for eternity. And when we look at those people that we imagined before, we think, oh, God couldn't use them to do that. And we kind of believe that God couldn't use Rahab in such a big way as well. But what we need to realize is that God used Rahab in a very significant way. And I'm going I'm to bring that up in a little bit. But first of all, what we see is that in Joshua 6.25, so this is actually 
around after the, or sort of at the end of the Battle of Jericho, which is a few weeks away, so you have to wait for that. But I just want to sort of bring in this part of the story. But So Joshua spared Drahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the, in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Now, okay, Joshua has written that book and so when he says he's li- he's, she's lived with the, the people to this day, he's talking about just in that presence. But what we need to realise is that Rahab became part of the Israelites. Her family became Israelite people. They were fully saved. Now, how do I know that? I'm going to look into it in a little bit. But first of all, I'll look at Hebrews 11.31. So who knows what Hebrews 11 is about? It's a chapter of all the great people of faith. Now, I'll tell you something. Joshua is not mentioned in that book, in that chapter. But... Rahab is. 11.31. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now that list is significant. Again, she is called Rahab the prostitute. Like I think marketing would sort of went, can you sort of just call me Rahab? Like, give me a different name. Like just, But she is noted for her faith. That book of Hebrews was written to encourage other people in their faith, other people to keep pressing on in their faith. So Rahab becomes an example for us to go on in our faith. That's eternal impact. All of a sudden, it helps us to go on in our faith. So from her actions, all of a sudden, she has that internal impact. But then we see, we go back to Matthew chapter 1. And we we pick it up in verses 5 and 6. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. But then let's keep reading. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. Rahab was the great, great, great grandmother of King David. Now that's, that's, that's significant, especially for the people of Israel. Like all of a sudden this person has actually played a part in, in seeing her um, descendants become... Um, to be on the throne of Israel. David is the great king of Israel, the one who who worshipped God, the one who led them to to take the land fully. But the thing is, you keep reading through in chapter 1 of Matthew, and do you know what you come to? Come on. The birth of Jesus. Without Rahab, Jesus would not have been born. Is Is that eternal impact? Now, again, none of us are going to do that. I'm not putting that expectation on any of you. But again, what we need to realise is that our actions may have an impact a generation after we're gone that we do not even know about. It is amazing when I hear people stand up and speak about, I am here today because my great-great-grandfather came to faith and he led his family to believe in God and he always sort of walked in obedience to God and all of a sudden my parents became Christian and I became Christian and that's why I'm here today. They look back, but the thing is, the great-great-grandfather wouldn't have known about any of those kids who hadn't been born yet and the impact that it would have. You don't even know about the friends that you may share about that you may move away from, but they will come to faith because of the seed that you sown. That is eternal impact. It is eternal impact. And just as Rahab was just willing to be obedient to God, 
All of a sudden, she was able to make a difference in the present. She was able to save her family. She was able to get the spies back to Joshua. And she was able to be an example in our faith. And she was able to see Jesus be born, who has saved each one of us. We need to live in a way that we can believe that we are of use to God. God has a use for you. And I don't want any of you buying into the, the thinking or the, the lie that God can't use you the way you are. I can't say enough for God. I don't understand enough about God. I don't have enough faith. I can't do more than, than, than what I'm doing. Look at Rahab. By our standards, she would be ineligible. If a Rahab came into our church today, we would welcome her in. I, I, I don't have any worry with that. I think our church would do well to welcome her in. But we wouldn't put her on stage. We, wouldn't, we would probably sort of even, some of us would probably keep our kids away from her a little bit. Just until, okay, we get to know her a bit more. God didn't wait. God says, Rahab, I've got a plan and purpose for your life. And her faith basically allowed her to be obedient to God and make a difference. Now, if in our standards, Rahab is ineligible and God used her, anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, I declare eligible straight away. That means God can use you. God can use you. And he can make a difference right now in your presence in both spiritual and practical ways. But he can make a difference in your life that you may may not see the impact of because it will be an eternal one. And so I suppose when we leave this, what are you going to do with that information? What are you going to do with the understanding that God can use you and that none of your excuses will disqualify you from serving God. What will you do with that? Lord, I thank you that you can use unlikely people to serve you and to build your kingdom. I pray that we as a church will realize that you can use each one of us. You can gift us for a season or you can gift us for our life in such a way that can make a difference in in all of us and allow us to, be make, to, to be, make a difference in our world. I pray that we would believe in you and believe in the fact that you can use each one of us just like Rahab to make a difference in her world. I pray this in your name. Amen. <laughs>